that I've got um, six or seven people this morning that came in with prayer requests for people that they know. And uh, as we get ready for the word of God, I'll, I'll have us to bow and I'll let each one of you um, begin and prepare your hearts and minds for the, the word of the Lord. And then I'll close this out and I will include those that had told me about that in prayer for them as well. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and the wonderful blessings of life. And as I walk up here and I hear this water a churning, I think about the one soul today who's already told me that they want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. And I just pray that your word will be alive and powerful this morning and touch the hearts so that all of those who feel this call upon them will, will make that, Father. And Father, we got so many people that are hurting right now. We've had so many losses, and, and we thank everyone that helped out yesterday with uh, Larry Lytton's funeral because that was such a surprise. Young man, only 29. So Father, we don't know the day or the hour. We just thank you, though, that we trust you and know that you know all things. And that you do what is right and just all the time. And that you keep us out of trouble. And so Father. As I look on here. I know Jamie and Leroy and Linda. And Keisha Button and Chuck and Bill. Ezra. And Larry Silcox. These, these folks needs our prayers Father. In all of their different ways. You know that. And you know all of the other prayers. That's on the hearts of people. And all the pain and the hurt the sickness, the things that are needed, Father. We've all brought something in here this morning that we want to lay at your cross. So, Father, I pray for each and every individual that is here. I pray for each family that's represented. And, Father, please, lay your hand upon your children. May you touch them and give us peace and comfort and hope. May you allow us to recognize you and to worship you in this way and father we thank you for what you're about to do i pray for a hedge of protection upon thy family pray that you will protect them the way that you did job but this time don't let the devil have his way when he asks because i remember when you called that meeting and you said have you seen my servant job and and the devil said yeah i know he's a righteous man like you're saying but it's because you've put a hedge of protection around him and you're not letting me at him let me at him and he won't be that way well father you knew that job could handle it and so you allowed it and you allowed it to be written for our learning and for our faith but father i don't know if i'm able to handle something like that and i don't know about these folks so i pray that you place the hedge of protection around us with peace and comfort and don't let it go and Father, as we get ready to study about a promise that you made to us over 4,000 years ago and you kept your promise, I'm thankful that you are a God that always keeps your promise. That you cannot fail and you cannot lie. That you are God Almighty and what you say you back up and you keep. So Father, we thank you for all of these things. May your word be alive and powerful and touch our hearts this day. And may we walk out of here with more faith than we had when we came in, and may it be solid. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The promise of God, Emmanuel, his son coming to earth for us. You know, I thought this week and next, as we prepare for the, for the Christmas season, the way the world has chosen it as a day on December 25th to celebrate the birth of Christ. And in reality, if you look, we don't know what day it was. But I'm glad that they placed it on a day so that the world, at least once or twice a year, can recognize our Savior and Lord. And it gives us a great opportunity to get to folks who otherwise may not be here for this time to be able to share the Word of God with them. 
And so, Genesis chapter 12 on Wednesday, we talked about some promises. God made some promises to Abraham as he was there. One of those promises, he said, was to you and to your descendants, I'm going to give this land. And he did. They failed in a way, so right now they don't totally own all that they should, but one day they will because he's made a promise that I knew you were going to do that and one day I'm going to regather you again. And that promise is going to happen. The other promise he said is I'm going to make you, Abraham, a great nation. I'm going to make from you and your descendants a great nation and through that all the people and all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you know what? That comes down to you and I. Because through the lineage of Abraham came Jesus the Christ. And that's the blessing to all of the families of the world. And I am so grateful that God makes these amazing promises and then fulfills them. And you know why he does that? First of all, because he loves us. But second of all, is because he wants to build our faith. If he can make promises and years later fulfill those things then that builds faith in us that God is who he says he is and does what he says he's going to do. And so I can bank my life upon what's written in his word. He says, I cannot lie. It is impossible, the book of Hebrews says, for God to lie. And there's over 7,000 promises in his word. Did you know that? 7,000 promises from a God who cannot lie that says, I will do this, I will do that for you. But there's one thing about those promises. You can only claim them if you know them. So if we don't know that that's a promise to us, we can't live in faith by it, can we? I mean, if you don't know that he's told you something and you're out there on your own, then you don't have a foundation to rest upon to say, I know that that's what he said and it's for me. And so this has no dominance over me. So we've got to learn those promises. Today I want to share with you some of those promises that we have by faith and God's character says I will back up to you. So we've got to learn these things. We talked about these nine promises on Wednesday night. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Now I want you to listen because these are promises for you and I and for our life. He said the Lord himself goes before you. So whenever you get ready to go anywhere and you see a problem, what do you need to know? He's, he's already there, isn't he? He's in front of me, and he says, I'm going to go before you, and I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, so do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged. You know why? You know why he tells you that? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, because I know the plans that I've got for you. You don't know them, but I know them, and I've got these plans for you, and it's not to harm you or to hurt you, but to prosper you. I've got plans, declares the Lord, to prosper you and to give you hope and to give you a future. And if you have that in mind, then though the mountains are shaking when you walk through them, though the hills get removed from in front of you, yet my, what's that word up there? Unfailing. Yet my unfailing love for you is never going to be shaken my covenant of peace to you will not be removed says the lord who has compassion for you is that a promise that you don't want to take to the bank his unfailing love will never be removed from me and when and when you pass through the waters i'm going to be with you and when you go to cross the river, it's not going to sweep over you and take you away because I will be with you and I will help you walk through it. And when you go through the fire, you're not going to be burned. It will not set you ablaze. So these promises are for us. They're great and precious promises. They're right over here. Good to see you. So we got these promises that's starting to go. Now those that was right there, Think about it. Do you know what happened when God told Joshua to tell the priests that was carrying the Ark of the Covenant when they got ready to go into the promised land after that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? The huge river, it was during a flood time, and, and the river was wide. 
but they had to cross into the promised land. You know what God told them to do? Tell the priest by faith to step their foot in the water and I am going to stop the water and you'll cross on dry ground. And that priest took that step of faith and stepped in the river and it says that the river backed up. This side kept flowing, that side backed up and they crossed on dry ground. The river didn't wash them away and sweep them away because they entered by faith and it was the promise of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and, a, and who? I've, I've told most of you, yeah, I've told most of you. There's, there's a lot of folks here, though, that don't uh, know this. When I first heard that story, I thought it was Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. <laughs> I, that's what I heard whenever he was talking. And so for the longest time, I thought, why is there a billy goat in there with him? But it was Abednego. But what happened to them when Nebuchadnezzar said that you're going to bow down to this image and you're going to worship? And they said, no, we're not. And they said this. They said, let it be known, O king, that our God is able to deliver us from your fire. Because he says, I'm going to heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been. I'm going to toss you all in there if you don't. And they said, be it known to you, O king, that even though you've got that furnace turned up, we serve a God that can deliver us from that fire. But uh, we also realize that he may choose not to deliver us from that. And we accept that and understand that. But be it known to you, we're not going to bow down. We're going to worship him and him only. And the king got angry. And it was so hot that the soldiers who threw him into the fire were burnt up. But nothing happened to them. And then someone said, who's all of those down in there? And they looked and he said, did we not throw three men into the fire? I see four. And he said, that fourth one looks like the son of God. What did he say? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be there with you when you cross over. And that river won't sweep you away. And that fire will not set you ablaze. You've got some promises. But be it known, if he decides not to at this time, that we're going to accept that too, okay? But he's made the promise that he's going to be with you either way. How about this one for another promise? Isaiah 41 and verse 10. This is my buddy right here's favorite one. He's got it on his necklace. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you, yea, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then he says this in Exodus 14. He said, it is the Lord who's going to fight for you. Why am I taking up the battle when it's his? He said, all you got to do is stand still and watch. And I'm going to do the fighting for you. John 3.16. He fought the biggest battle for us, didn't he? That biggest battle is sin and separation from God. And so he said, I'm going to make you a promise. And Jesus came. And he said, my God so loved the world that he gave me his only begotten son. So that you might not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us that much. And he says, then in John 8, So if I, the Son, set you free from that bondage of sin, then you are free indeed. Know that for truth. And then Mark 11, he closed out and said, Therefore I tell you, while you live this life, whatever you ask for in prayer, and you believe it, and it's according to my will, it will be done for you. Believe that it has already happened. Now I'm going to share with you three more, because we needed new ones. We needed some new ones to go along with what we had on Wednesday. And these are my three favorites. Uh, I've got one of them up here that's one of my favorites. And I actually wrote a little song type verse around these three verses for me for when I need faith. And it says in Isaiah that thou will keep in perfect peace. And you know what perfect peace means? That's the word shalom twice. Shalom, shalom, perfect peace. That means not only... Uh, Everything about you, peace of mind, peace of life, peace of everything around you because you know and you trust in me. Thou will keep in perfect peace who? Those whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is, he is righteous. That's where your righteousness is found. And then he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, when you've got some cares, cast them to me. 
Cast them to me because why I care for you. There's a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. You can cast them to me because I care for you. And then Romans 8.28. You've got to walk with that one every day. For we know that God takes all things and works them together for our good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. We know there's something you must know. That's how he starts out that promise. We know that he works together all things. He didn't say all things are good, but he says that whenever you mess up and whenever you get in that pickle, I can take it and work it for good when you bring it to me. Because you love the Lord and you're called according to my purpose. There's a promise that in every situation of life you can take to the bank. He can work together all good for us. So we've got all of these precious promises. We can't go a day without any of these. There's over 6,900 more of those to take and to have in here for our walk of faith. That we can rely upon those things in any situation of life that we are in. But I want to take you back to a long, long time ago. To another promise that was the best one of all. I love it when a really special promise is kept. And when you get it and you finally find it, you rejoice in it. And that promise was of his son, Jesus. There's so many promises that specifically tailored for him and his coming to us. And it all began back there in that garden. Back in Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, our enemy, the serpent, God had created this garden. It was beautiful. It was paradise. The garden of Eden. Eden means God. The garden, it was the garden of God. God planted this special garden. And then he placed his creation, man, in there. And he said, you know what? I've taken care of you. I've put there every plant and every herb bearing seed after its kind for you. And every tree with its fruit that has seed bearing after its kind for you to eat. For your nourishment and for your strength. But I've got one tree in the midst of that garden that you shouldn't eat from. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And don't eat of that tree. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And that's the word for death twice. Dying, you will die. And you know why it's used twice? Because man has two parts. We studied that the last two weeks, didn't we? Soul and We got the soul and the body. We got two types of lives. And when the serpent came, he beguiled the woman. That means deceived. He used a lot of seductive words that tempted her. And the Bible says she did eat. And then she gave to the man and he did eat. And then death came. And God read then to them their sentence for that. And he looked at the serpent and he said, because you have done this. Because you have deceived them and caused this to come into the world and to separate them from me. I am going to cure that. I am going to bring in my son who is going to come. And, and you're going to bruise his heel, but he is going to bruise your head. And that's talking about the cross. When it looks like Satan had his way and Jesus died upon the cross. But three days later, he bruised the head of the serpent. And became victorious over death and over sin. And provided the way for us to follow with him in that. And then he said this. Galatians chapter 4 explains what happens there in verses 4 and 5. And it says, when the fullness of time had come. You know what? God waited a long time to fill that promise. That was made in the garden 4,000 years ago. Before, well actually 6,000 years ago. It was 4,000 years before the time of Christ. But he made a promise that took 4,000 years. But it happened. And when the fullness of time and that perfect time came, it says God sent forth his son, born of a woman, just as he promised that by her seed he will come. The seed of the woman will crush your head. Born under the law, and there was a purpose behind it, to redeem us who were under that law and that were sinners. He said it was to redeem us that we might receive something special, the adoption of sons. We are adopted through Christ by faith in him as children of God now. 
we are his son and we are his child through faith. And because we are son, he sent forth his spirit from the son to be in our hearts that we may be able to cry unto him as our father, Abba, Father. And therefore we are no more servants, but we are sons. And if we are sons, then we have heirs of God along with Jesus Christ. We have what he has. I don't know if it's true. I'm going to have to ask Mark and Penny if they know of this because they, they have two sons that they've adopted. But I heard something very special. You know, there are times when under the Jewish law, they would excommunicate a child for if he went off and, and, um, and ran off and did something. They could say, ah, oh, well, you're no longer my son. But I heard that that's with your natural born one. But if you adopt someone and you have made that choice to adopt them, you can't ex nihiliate them. Isn't that a special thing that God says, you're my son through Christ Jesus, and I have adopted you, and now it's my responsibility to take care of you? <laughs> oh, praise God. So he brought forth his son that he can redeem us from that sin and that curse. And then that promise was fulfilled in Acts chapter 3. Peter standing up there before those men, he said, this Jesus that you crucified that we're talking about, said, you're all children of the prophets. You should know this. We've been studying this, and we've read it every day in our synagogues, that there was a covenant that God made with our fathers when he said unto Abraham, remember how we started out talking about that Abraham promise that he had? He said, in thy seed shall all the kingdoms of the earth be blessed. And unto us first has God fulfilled this covenant promise when he raised up his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And then he says, this in turn blesses every one of us from our iniquities. Wow. That promise was fulfilled. And what it does is it cleanses us from all the things that separates us from God. Second Samuel chapter 7, there's another promise that God gave to his servant David, the king, at that time. And he said this, David, when your days are over and when you, your time is complete and fulfilled you're going to lie down and rest with your fathers and I'm going to do something I'm going to raise up from your offspring from your seed I'm going to raise up someone who will succeed you from your own body upon your throne I will establish his kingdom I will build a house for my name and I will establish this one's throne forever God made that promise to David that through you shall be the one who will have a kingdom forever. The prophet Isaiah also spoke about this promise of the coming Messiah in his report, and it sounds like this in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. This is a long time before Jesus, but he said, A child is going to be born unto us. A son will be given. Boy, you don't know how special that means, because this is going to be the Son of God, right? What's it say? A son is what? given he was born to die he was born to be the sacrifice for us that God gives he gave his only begotten son there's the promise of the gift all the way back in Isaiah 9 you will see a son born but for me it, it's a son given and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name's going to be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the eternal father the prince of peace and there will be no end to the increase of his government and his establishment on the throne of who David that promise that he made on the throne of David and over his kingdom he will establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness forevermore and the zeal of the Lord and that means the Lord desires to do that for us to establish that kingdom and it happened. Those two promises there to David and that Isaiah made of this wonderful counselor that was going to come and be a son given for us in Luke chapter 1. Verses 30 through 32, it reads like this. That the angel said unto her, Do not fear, Mary. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will receive and conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus means Savior. That's what the word means. And he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will give unto him what? Throne of David. You see, God remembers every promise that he gives. And he fulfills every promise to us that he gives. He remembered that he had made that promise 600 years ago. And he's fulfilling it now when he comes to Mary. That those who believe in God, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And he rewarded us with that gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, though, I want you to see something else. That he's made some more specific promises about that son to come. He made very specific promises. You know, he said this in the book of Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. He wrote about where this Christ child would be born. And he said, But thou, Bethlehem of Ephratah, Though thou art little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that he that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old and everlasting. He said in Bethlehem, in Judea, is going to be born a son who is the son of God. His goings about have been from everlasting to everlasting. But at a point in time, when that fullness comes, he's going to come in a body like us. And he's going to be born in Bethlehem to redeem mankind from their sins. And then, a little further trivia I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you one of our little in-depth lessons that we do on Wednesday night. How many that were here Wednesday remember what Bethel means? What? House of God, right? Beth. Or Beth means house, and El is the word for God. So you see underneath every word, there is meaning. Well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, so we know Beth is what? House. And Lechem is bread. So Bethlehem is the house of bread. So how special is it that God chose the bread of life, Jesus Christ? To be born in the city whose name is the house of bread. He's, our God is good. He, he's that good. He made that promise that it's going to happen. And you know what? It was fulfilled. He gave us. He spoke a prophet Isaiah. He said in chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore the Lord God himself is going to give you a sign. Not only is it going to be born in Bethlehem in a certain place. Out of the lineage of David. But I'm going to give you another sign. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. The Lord God himself gives you this sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. God with us. That's a beautiful announcement of that. And you know what? God fulfilled that. Matthew chapter 1. Beginning in verse 18, we read this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. That when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they had ever came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on those things, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David... Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived within her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. You see, God keeps his promises. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, we just read this, Isaiah 7. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear forth a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Think about that for a moment. God with us. God, as God could not die on the cross for our sins. God is everlasting. Being immutable or or unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He couldn't as God change unless he came into a body like we have that could, could die like that. So 
Emmanuel, God had to come and be like us and leave that home in heaven and come down to earth. And God gave us all of these promises, but surely this one was the most precious. And you know why? For us as faith. Think about it. It could kind of be easy to raise up someone in the lineage of David and Abraham, right? I mean, they kept those records, so there are people that fulfill that. Even to have him born in Bethlehem, that's a coincidence, but that's feasible. But I'm going to give you another sign. The one from David's lineage and the one in Bethlehem is also going to be born of a virgin. Now, you try to top that. That one's a hard one to pull off, isn't it? But he says, I will, because I want you to know it's the truth. I want you to have faith in this one that's going to be born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem at the appropriate time. And he's going to be the king because he's of the royal lineage. And so now I want to I want to take as we get ready to wind this down today. I want to take a, a little bit closer look now at Joseph. Next week, we're going to finish off with Mary's side and we're going to see the salute of the military and the angels to the baby Jesus when he's born. But this week, I want to finish this out with taking a closer look at this Joseph, this son of David. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is within her is of the Holy Spirit. It says there in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 that she was espoused to him. Now the Jewish term for espousal is almost like our engagement, except it goes deeper than an engagement. In their culture, if you were espoused, you were already, the word means to be a pledge. They were already pledged together in this. Um, all of the laws of marriage applied, even though you haven't came together yet and you weren't living together. You and society recognized you as already connected in that way. So, if she was found unfaithful, the law said that she was to be taken out and stoned to death. And so, whenever Joseph, as he is espoused to Mary, and it says they have not came together yet, she started to show because that which was conceived within her was of the Holy Spirit. We know that, but he didn't. Think about the dilemma that he was now in because he loved Mary, his wife. He wanted to be with her. And now I think the term that they use today that's popular is baby bump. There was this baby bump starting. And I don't know if someone told him, if she told him. I don't know how he found out. But all of a sudden, there was this baby bump appearing and he finds out that she is with child and he does not know who it's from and it says that he begins to ponder these things over and over that word ponder isn't the normal word for just think of something and it's gone it means over and over and over again I'm thinking about this I can't get it off of my mind you've been there with things haven't you there's been things that come up that stay on your mind and that's all you can think about over and over and over. And I can just imagine Joseph as he is there and he's thinking, man, I, I loved her. I thought she loved me. We were engaged. What happened? What could have possibly went wrong? How do I fix this? Because I know what the law says. I don't want her to be stoned. It, if, if it was a mistake, I don't want it to be be stoned how can I do this and it says as he pondered and thought over these things that he came to his own solution and his solution was I, I can put her away privately and if I put her away privately and I send her off then the truth won't be known nobody will know she won't be stoned I will stay here and go around my business and I'll act like something never happened and maybe that'll be for the best of everybody involved but you know what? He had a dilemma that couldn't be solved with human reasoning and human thought, could it? It took an angel on the word of God. You see, some problems that we have in life can't be solved by our own means and our own thinking. We just can't do it. You've got to go to the word of God. That's why we need to know those 7,000 promises. And you know what? Those promises that we just read that God had made about his son... The angel has to make them known to him so that he can come to a real solution. 
Because the angel comes to him as he pondered these things and came to his human solution, he said, you got it all wrong, Joseph. Fear not to take unto you Mary as your wife. Because you're the son of David, right? If you look up there in your Bible, that's what he called him. He said, son of David. So he's reminding him of the lineage. That someone from the house of David is going to sit upon my throne forever. So he says, son of David. Don't fear to take her under your wife. Because that which is conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. Don't you remember, as you were a little boy growing up in the synagogues, and every year you see the Jewish people have a timetable that every year they know that they read this amount on this week and this amount on this week in the synagogue so that they cover everything in a year. And so you cover everything in one year, and next year you start over again. So I don't know how old he was, but at least probably 15 or more times he has heard Isaiah 7. When it says that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. You know what? They, they most of the time had all of this memorized by the time they were 12 years old. So the angel is reminding him of the promises of God. We got to have that happen all the time, don't we? When we get in dilemmas and it's not something that I can figure out on my own. And it's very troublesome and trying and hard. I need the word of God and the promises and I don't always have an angel like he did that comes and says to him, Don't fear, because you are the son of David. That which is in her is what Isaiah said, that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. And you know what I want you to do? Take her to you as your wife, and you name him Emmanuel, God with us. There is sometimes not a human solution to our problem. We've got to have the word of God and those promises that when we are riding that storm and we look out and we don't see any hope and we don't see any way, and where's those 7,000 promises? I can cast my cares and burdens on him because he cares about me. He can take every situation of my life and turn it out for good because I love him. He will bring to my mind perfect peace. To those who seek after him because you trust in him. You see how you've got to have the promises. Joseph worried and fret, worried and fret. And how do you keep from worrying and fretting? The promises of God. And the angel came and said, you're of the royal lineage. You're a, you're a nobleman. Your wife found favor in the eyes of God. And she's the virgin that's conceiving. Don't fear to take unto her as your wife. And you know what that also meant? As a nobleman, now instead of putting her away somewhere to where it saved face, guess what? Now by faith in God and his word, it's not going to matter what everybody else thinks. You know what the whole world's going to think? That he takes into her his wife. And as a man and as a gentleman... He bears the burden of all of the, the voices that's going to talk and all of the accusation and all of the innuendos and all of the slights and everything that's going to be said about him and his family, he takes it. Because who he reports to is not them but God. And I've told you, you're only responsible to him and not to anyone else in this life. You can't make anyone else think like you want them to think. You can't make them act the way you want them to act. You can't make them say what you want. So you have to let them go and say, God, I'm only, I pray for them, but I'm only responsible to you for me, and here's how I'm going to act. And I'm going to trust in these promises that you've given to me. That's what Joseph did. When the word of God came to him, he says, I will take her. And he took her, and he bore the brunt of all of those things and never said a word. The rest of his life. Because he was going to be chosen to be the stepdad to the son of God. I was way up here. As our worship team returns and we close this out. That great dilemma that Joseph had, we sometimes have similar. How about a dilemma that can't be answered by man and us? Sin. The answer of sin 
that came in that garden and transferred down to all of us the sin that separates. There wasn't a human answer, but God made all of these promises and he fulfilled it in Jesus that I will provide a way that those who believe in him might have everlasting life. We've got great and precious promises. Fear not. The same way that Joseph was told to fear not to take Mary as your wife. And we're going to see that, that Mary was told fear not because that which is within you is from God. Don't fear all of us. Don't fear to take unto us then the Son of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Don't let that precious gift that God gave slip past you in this life. We need to praise God for his unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. That was the greatest Christmas gift that's ever given. You can't, you can't outdo that gift. So fear not, the angel said, just as the angel came to Joseph and told him not to fear to take unto him Mary, the angel's also came and left this word, the word of God, to you and I. It says this, Fear not. The angel of the Lord appeared. The glory of God shone around those shepherds as they were in the field. And he said, Fear not. For I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you in the city of David this day is born in Bethlehem a Savior unto you, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. Fear not, my friends, this day. If you've never taken Jesus as your Savior, today's the day to do it. Have no fear. Trust in Him to take Christ as your Lord because there is no other name under heaven given among men where we might be saved. So what we're supposed to do is to call upon the name of the Lord. Like, like Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus last week, why do you tarry? Arise, be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. For this promise is to you and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So if the call of God is upon your heart today and all of these promises mean something, then don't delay it's time to receive that Christmas gift of promise, Jesus Christ, as we stand and sing.